Welcome to the Desert Street Podcast, the podcast helping you develop forex trading skills for more freedom. I'm your host, Etienne Kret. Let's get started right away. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the podcast. We are now in 2020, which is awesome. And I want to be doing my best this year to bring you a lot of value, give you some tips, some insights, coach you if you need to. And for this week, I wanted to do something a little bit different. So as you might have known before, I have this series of videos I'm doing with Pepperstone. Pepperstone is a broker that I highly trust, I highly recommend. They are a really good fit. Now, I understand the fact that they're not going to accept people in Canada based on regulations. That's fine. But if you are outside of that, if you are able to put an account with them, I would highly suggest you do so. Simply because of the fact that people working there are awesome. They're able to fix your problems, answer your questions. And I've seen a few people in my academy that are part of Pepperstone and they really love them. So this is awesome to be able to work with them at the same time and bring content to you guys. So a few weeks ago, I sat down with Chris Weston. Chris is the investment manager at Pepperstone. And we discuss one thing that I find really important about currency pairs and indices. Now, for many of us, we know we have a lot of things available on our platform. We can trade a lot of currency pairs, a lot of indices, a lot of materials. But we need to know kind of which one to use and when to use it and also how to combine things to get better results. So it's one thing to be able to kind of trade something, then you make money, then you have a strategy that works on that. But what if you could make better return? by adding other instruments, other markets, and that could give you a big advantage. So we kind of covered this in this video. It's a little bit short, but it's back to value. So without further ado, let's get into it. Well, guys, so today I want to basically share with you a bit of basics about different markets, different instruments, different indices, currencies, and how to understand them so you can maximize your return and ultimately become a better trader by the same process. To begin with, I was curious to know what is the range of product that, that typical broker offers and what do they look like? So here's the answer from Chris Weston working at Pepperstone. Well, I mean, we, we've had our, our, our DNA firmly entrenched in FX markets since 2010. Um, you know, we, we offer a, a, a significant range of, of major currencies, emerging market currencies. Um, and, you know, I think that, that's kind of where we were spawned and, and what we do very well. Over the years, though, as, as various volatilities have increased in other asset classes, we've seen big demand for um, indices, for example, that's that's been a, a significant uptake from from clients, uh, not just in things like you know the, the Dow, the S and P, but also going to some you know the Asian uh, markets, some of the Chinese markets, and the Hang Seng, for example, and some of the European markets. Yeah, the, the the implied volatility in those markets has been significant. In fact, we've seen some fairly very subdued moves in in G10 FX markets for some time, uh, and that what may break out, and and we suspect it will do. Uh, but at the moment, with with central banks still becoming very accommodative and moving direction. What you've you've seen is is very suppressed volatility in in, in FX markets for a, for a couple of years now, um, and so the people have migrated where there's been higher volatility, and that's been in in, in these equity indices. Um, what we've also seen is is high volatility and and real demand for commodity products as well, specifically for your marquee commodities. So oil and gold have been uh, have been very well traded, not just in US dollar terms, but also you can trade gold in and, and silver and other commodities in in euro terms and Aussie dollar terms as well. So you know you're not just trading the currency; you can actually 
um, have a second derivative of that as well. If you think the euro is going to have a move, then you know perhaps trading gold in, in euro terms or Aussie dollar terms could be a, another way of, of, of increasing your profit on the trade. Uh, so that's been an interesting one there as well. But I think you know we've we've migrated more and more into a full diverse suite of products as well. So agricultural commodities, and we've recently just released U.S. shares on on about sixty or seventy uh, of the top shares as well. So you can trade that in in, in the cash session, but also in the post market session. So for people who who want to trade individual equities, um, being able to react uh, in the post market session, where a lot of big names like Apple, for example, will release earnings, has been has been true. So you know people want to trade FX. That's been sort of where the the core holding has been that's where still the bulk of our flow will come from but people people want that diversification people want to be able to trade what's moving having the big moves and and ultimately um, looking at a theme and being able to express that theme, be it through be it through effects and, and the right currency pairs, be it through um, an equity indice for a, for a commodity, um, or, or even individual shares as well. So I think having that diverse range of products has has offered clients you know the, the choice they need. Now let's pay a little bit of attention to currency pairs. I personally trade about fifteen currency pairs. Uh, there's some pairs that I trade, of course, more than others. There's some pairs that I'm starting to discard slowly because they're not profitable. And so that leaves us with maybe like a, a list of 10 pairs that I trade actively in the market on different time frame. But I, I was curious to know with other pairs out there, how do you pick the ones that you should trade and how do you combine them for the best results? Well, that, that really depends on your strategy. I mean, I think it's really interesting. Yeah, we've talked about this, uh, this, this understanding about how retail could potentially emulate the success of banks and, and hedge funds. I mean, I think one of the things that we've seen over the years with banks and hedge funds and, is their, their idea of being specialists in a chosen field. Um, and traders like to trade a specific asset class and being very, very comfortable and being a, a true professional in that one asset class. If you're a rates trader, you focus on rates. You don't trade trade um, currencies. If you're um, a currency trader, you'll, you'll probably tend to trade emerging markets, or you'll be a uh, you know a true champion of, of G10 effects. You know, if you're trading stocks, you'll be a, a you know a utility specialist or a um, you know, a, a growth stock uh, specialist, for example, you are, a, you know, you know, you're not a jack of all trades. You are a master of a specific subject, and I think that that same thing can be quite interesting for people who are starting out on currencies. You know, people tend to gravitate to the currency that they they have a relationship with. You know, so a lot of Australian clients opening accounts and starting trade with Aussie dollar, for example, it's something that you, you have a clear understanding what makes it move, what makes it tick, but also getting the news in, in is very, very easy. You know, you can read any newspaper and see 80, 90% of the news flows around the Aussie dollar. In Europe, you know, that everything's true. Also in the UK, it's, you know, everyone, the bulk of flow is on euro or pound, for example, you know, you can open a newspaper, everything's about Brexit and what's happening in the pound. So I think, yeah, understanding and having a, a when you're starting out and understanding, you know, one or two currencies um, and trading them effectively, I think is really good. I mean, it sort of takes it back to the investment bank you know, hedge fund model where you become a you know, a master of one specific uh, category before you branch out into, into the big bad wide world. And that same thing can be true if you're systematic trading the market, if you're creating an algo is, is actually, um, you know, uh, so backtesting a specific strategy over you know, one or two currency pairs that have a certain characteristic and do it over a, over a prolonged period, over multiple cycles to create for that, that sort of robust test that you're looking for that gives you your statistical edge. Um, I think as, you, as you're sort of growing out and you're branching out on, on your strategy, then being able to understand what makes a specific currency tick 
um, and and actually utilizing uh, that currency when when in the right macro thematic, I think is something that can take a bit more time um, and take a bit more education. If you put the work in, then it can be a very profitable strategy. For example, myself, when I'm trading, I, I, I like to have a, a macro oversight of what's going on with the world and, and choosing the right vehicle, be it through currencies or even in equity indices. But I know that um, that that what markets are sent, what currencies are sensitive to. I know that, for example, if if we're seeing a big drawdown in markets, we're seeing high volatility. I want to go to the yen above every other currency. I want to be long yen. And the question is, is what do I then marry that off with? I want to go with the weakest, of course, whether that's going to be the Swedish krona, whether it's the Aussie dollar, or maybe one of the emerging market currencies. That's something I consider. But I always choose what is my vehicle for expressing that macro theme through currencies. And how do I know that? Well, I know very, very strongly, I know exactly what the characteristics of each current currency are, what makes it tick, what makes it move. And if I can do that, yeah, I can have a pretty strong view about you know how I'm going to trade these currencies and, and, and adapt a, a technical overlay. But I think when people are starting off, you know, choosing one or two currencies um, and actually understanding, finding the rhythm and the feel, the characteristics, you know, can be a really good place to go. And are there any tactics available for you to be able to get more results with currency pairs? Well, I mean, I think yeah, the the carry trade is 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 one that that we see a lot of people using, and I think yeah, especially in times of. Of, of low volatility. Now, when do people use this effectively? Well, first of all, they've got to choose the currency pair that they want to, to, to use in this situation. Uh, and what you want is, is you want to be long currencies with, with high levels of carry. You want to be long the high yielders and short the, the very low yielding currencies or what we call the funders. Um, a, a, a very classic case of that situation would be long uh, US dollars or long um, Mexican pesos or even long, you know, if you've got the if you've got the stomach for it, long Turkish lira has been you know, a big one specifically from, you know, from, from clients out in Asia, you've seen you know people looking to be long the Turkish lira and short the euro as your funding vehicle. Uh, now that works very very well when markets are moving sideways and you've got very low implied and, and realised volatility as well. And of course, in that situation, you want to be paid to be in a position. You're earning um, the one interest rate and you're and you're and you're paying out the the the, the other interest rate. And of course, you're net, you're netting those off if you hold the position overnight. And of course, that's where you're going to pay those funding charges or receive the funding charges in this case with carry. So what we want to do is, you know, it, it, when do you use the carry trade? Well, you certainly don't want to be using it in high volatile periods, and you can obviously see that through implied volatility or for most people how they use real realized volatility you can see that through you know the the average true range or the five-day ATR and if that that moves higher then you're probably going to see carry trades being unwound pretty quickly you can also see it from Bollinger Bands as those Bollinger Bands expand you can see those two standard deviation moves are moving wider it shows dispersions from the mean and moving further apart that probably means you're going to see an underperformance of carry so what we want to see is a situation where people are used those realized vols or, or implied vols and when you get that quite low and you see sideways trending markets, people want to be paid to be in positions. So we tend to see people looking to go long carry, so people looking to buy dollars, people, and, and specifically against things like euro and against the yen, or even going into some of the emerging market currencies and, and looking for some really high levels of carry, such as the Turkish lira. But again, you know, if you see price move, it can move pretty fast. So I mean, that, that, that's been one strategy. Momentum's a really big one as well. You know, people looking at currencies that have been really strong over a five-day period or you know a two-day period, five-day period, maybe a two-week period, and saying to themselves, "Are we at a point now where we're 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 at peak euphoria, or you know we've reached this maximum point where the trend is is likely to turn?" Um, and perhaps not getting a position on them, but if they see a situation where perhaps in the third wave or of an Elliott wave, or we're in, in 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 a situation where the trend hasn't really shown signs of fatigue, then the people will be looking to go into that situation as well. So looking to buy strong. Uh, 
uh, and sell weak, and then trying to get that point in in, in the trend where you know perhaps uh, we're not that 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 natural point of exhaustion where you can see the selling coming through, or maybe looking to buy the pullback. So momentum's a big one as well. I think um, what what you do see with a lot of retail is the idea of counter trending. It's not something I like to do myself. But people do like to pick tops and pick bottoms. I think that's where a lot of people do come undone. If I look across the desk and see people who underperform in the markets and, and don't do well, it's ten, you tend to see a situation where people are trying to counter trend markets too often. I think that, that's something that people should avoid doing. You know, As I say, when you're trading short termism, you want to follow the money, follow that weight of, of capital. Um, so necessarily trying to pick tops and pick bottoms, I think, can be quite a, a low probability strategy. Now, it's not to say you shouldn't do it. There's obviously an art form of doing it, but you see it way too often. And, uh, you know, I think that that's often a situation where people will will, will underperform and, and lose money. So I think it, for me, it's like keep things simple when you're trading currencies and you tend to see people holding positions. I think our average hold time for currencies is around four hours or so um, is, is follow the money, follow the weight of capital. And I think, you you, you know, those obviously there's there's much more to it than that but that tends to be how you can increase probability in trading awesome answer from chris now we get to the part that's a little bit more tricky because that's the part that i know a tiny bit and i don't really do much with that indices so indices i've done some tests in the past for myself that didn't work really well with my strategy but i know a lot of people showing them and sometimes making a living of indices so how do you combine these with your currency pairs and what do you need to know exactly before you go into trading indices here's the answer from chris what we see a lot of people who are trading currencies also, um, you know, if, if they're going to trade another asset class, and when I say that, I mean, I'm talking you know, individual equities or commodities or various sectors, I think people tend to trade um, uh, indices. And, and I think a large part of that is down to the fact that, you know, for, for the most part, most of our indices are, are trading nearly 24 hours a day. Um, so you don't necessarily get that gapping risk that you would do if you're trading individual equities where you could have a big move in um, the S&P and you know that, that those you know, a good chance that those those equities, if you're trading ASX stocks, are going to open higher or lower. So people don't necessarily like that situation. So they like that that simulation, uh, that symmetrical situation with with um, that correlation with with FX that you've got that 20, near 24 hour period coming through. So you, you you don't have the gapping risk, but you you do get a decent amount of volatility in equity indices. You know, for a large part, you know, you could see the DAX up or down two percent quite easily. That's been a, a crowd favorite. People love the DAX. Also, you know, the Wall Street cash as well, the Dow. You know, you see these big moves coming through um, and people like trading that one as well so I think there's those two markets that are certainly very very keenly traded by clients I think the fact that as I say 24 hours is, is very compelling um, but again you're trading one or two markets and and I think if people want to trade um, yeah Asia we've seen a, a, a real interest for people looking to trade the Hang Seng um, we offer the A50 cash, which is the effectively the top 50 companies in China on the mainland, which are packaged as a futures product and traded on the Singapore exchange. That's been heavily traded as well. You get some decent volatility playing through in there. And, you know, you see the technicals working out quite nicely as well. So, yeah, I think people like to trade the thematics. You know, there's obviously been some 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 uprest. There's been uh, some riots and, and some uh, political issues that have been happening in, in, in Hong Kong. And that's seen some big moves coming through in the Hong Kong market. That's been quite attractive to certain clients. Um, so I think yeah, it's been the the, the natural migration uh, uh, from FX uh, into FX or a bit of both, to be honest. I think what you're also looking for is when you're in your tra looking to trade indices is the idea of the expected move. For example, you know if I if I'm trading the DAX and I'm trading the ASX 200, I know that on any given day a two percent move in the DAX is not particularly big. You know if I was talking about you know having a 
an over three standard deviation move in in the DAX, for example, you, you'd be looking at three and a half, four percent. Whereas if you got anything above two percent in the ASX, that would be a big move. So I think understanding, you know, the the sort of moves, the expected moves that you could get, not just from a points perspective, but from a percentage perspective, that's where you can understand the characteristics of these indices quite easily. I mean, if I go into the Chinese market, having a two percent move in the Hang Seng, it can happen quite liberally. Uh, whereas having a two percent move in the FTSE, yeah, you know, might not happen every day. The the A50 in China, you know, that can have have big big moves you know it, it's not uncommon for those markets to be up or down three percent which in a points move is, is quite a punchy move there so again you know that plays into your into your understanding of risk and of course your position size as well you know if i know that the that, that market can move quite aggressively you know i'm going to be looking at you know, potentially taking my position size down i'm going to have a wider stop loss and of course that you need to, to counteract that by as i say having a, a slightly more a smaller position accordingly but, you know, so I think the the absolute moves is also quite interesting, but also um, understand what is the dynamic, uh, what is the, the composition of the index. For example, you know, the Dow is, is a price weighted market. So Boeing has a 10% weight on that index because it has a high price. To me, also, that, that makes absolutely no sense that you can have a stock like Boeing having a 10% weighting on the index. But it makes you very interested that when we come to reporting season, when Boeing comes out with numbers, if the market's expecting a bid move uh, and they come out with very disappointing earnings or good earnings very relative to consensus, we know that a 10% weighting on that index can move the stock. You know, and, and so that's a really big consideration for me. I prefer having a market cap weighted market. For example, the fact that Apple has a very high market cap should therefore constitute a big weighting on the index. It shouldn't just be determined by having a high price. That makes no sense to me. But so, you know, you've got you've got indices like the, the like the Nikkei or the, the Dow, which are price weighted market, whereas so I'd probably gravitate to ones which are more market cap weighted markets, such as the S&P, for example, or, or the ASX 200. So, you know, that's I think is really interesting when you're choosing out um, your indices, it's not just about saying, well, I think there's going to be some underperformance from uh, Chinese markets. So I want to gravitate to the Hang Seng or the H shares or the A50. I also need to understand the sort of potential moves that we can see on any given day. But also, the, you know, whether it's a price weighted market and, and, you know, who are the stocks that make up the big uh, percentages of those markets as well. That's really important. There's a lot of strategies that you can, you can follow. I mean, as I say, you know, Obviously, technicals are a really big one. The, the idea that these markets trade nearly 24 hours, so you can you have less gapping risk playing through. People love to trade gaps, of course, but um, you know you can you can trade all the, the the technicals, various factors, you know patterns, you know oscillators, whatever your strategy is, scalping, you know swing, uh, whatever your situation is is there. So of course that that that's one thing that that that, that will all be universal. Um, but I also like I think it's a really interesting one is the idea of pairs trading indices. I think yeah we can take that concept of FX markets, which of course is your natural pairs trading. If I'm going long Aussie dollar, you know I'm obviously thinking that the Aussie dollar is going to go up against the US dollar, and you can trade that same concept in, in indices as well. So if I believe that you know for example the ASX 200 is going to go up at a faster rate and it outperform, say, the DAX in Germany, then I will buy the ASX 200 and I will short the DAX. There's a way of doing that. You've got to make sure your exposures, your, your dollar value is exactly the same and you have to currency convert that as well. It's not particularly cumbersome to do so. But I can go long one index I think is going to outperform and go short against the other and of course marry those exposures off. Now that's what we call a low beta strategy and the idea that you know if both markets are going up, because the world's feeling good about something, then you want the long leg to obviously go up at a faster amount and a higher percentage than the, the, the leg you're short. 
ideally you want a situation where one's going up and the other one's going down, but that doesn't usually work in, in global markets. But I think that's a really interesting one. If you see whether you're using valuation, whether you're using macro issues, uh, whether you're using your momentum, I think pairs trading is a really, really cool way of doing things. I mean, that's what a lot of hedge funds will do. They'll look long short, long short strategies, and you can adapt the same concept now at a retail level, at a retail trailer level, where you know if I think one industry is going to outperform another one for whatever reason, I'll just go long and I'll go short and just marry off the exposures. And I think that's a really, really cool way of trading markets as well from a thematic perspective. So guys, in short, that is it. I hope this was of value to you. These are answers I wouldn't be able to come up with myself because I've not kind of done that before and I've never worked for a broker. So comment below with your thoughts if you liked the video so far, and I would love to hear your thoughts, of course. And as a last reminder, Pepperstone, I've been putting together a educational package for you. So I would recommend that you check the link below for that. They're going to be able to offer you some value. And I know Pepperstone is not available for like everyone. It's not in, like you cannot open an account if you live in Canada. So that's one thing. Same thing in the US. But understand the fact that if you want to work with people that are like really cool guys and really like productive and helping out in your trading journey, this broker is a really good fit for that. So I'll leave the link below, of course, and check this out. Hopefully that can be of value. And I will catch you guys back here in the next video. Ciao.